What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. We got Jays jumpers, Jaron Jackson Juniors, John Morantz, Joe Johnson's Jaw Raps, of course. We've got Jays. We got him for days. Josh, how you doing? I was going to ask you this anyway, but then we just got more news. Mm-hmm. Neither of us were convinced that whole Nets thing was going to work. No. Did you ever think it would be this much of a dumpster fire, though? Um, I guess there was a level of me that always thought that the the team was going to find ways to win enough basketball games. Like, like going, like looking as bad as they do is a little bit surprising. Um, I thought Steve Nash was going to get fired during the off season. I was surprised he made it to the regular season. I'm, and then was fired as if he was the problem. Right. But then, you know, this also comes on a day where Frank Reich, who calls the plays for a Colts offense that's horrible, fired his offensive coordinator like, Marcus Brady was the problem. So it's it's scapegoat city right. today. It's, um, and it's just how unfortunately the sports world works because right. the coach is the thing you can change. Right. And, you know, there have been reports that it was a mutual parting of ways. And Steve Nash seems like an intelligent dude and knew where this was going. And honestly, I'm sure he's kind of over Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. There's got to be at least a little I, sense of relief, um, right? And, and, <laughs> Maybe I mean like maybe this morning he woke up and was like, "Why in the world am I doing this to myself?" And walked in and said, "I'll let you say that you're firing me or that we mutually agreed to part ways." I'm sure that's not, you know, I'm sure it wasn't completely of his own volition, but I'm not surprised. I, I mean, I'm surprised that it went took this quick of a downturn. I guess that's the way I'll put it. Is I'm more surprised by the how fast it happened this season rather than the fact that it's actually happened. But you knew Kyrie was going to do something this season. That thing was a much more serious thing than just not showing up for basketball games. But, yeah, it is It is like it is like a car crash on the interstate. It is impossible to look away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just... I didn't think it was going to get where they wanted it to. Right. Just if you would have asked me what the worst case scenario was, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have told you it was this. Yeah. They got kind of, I mean, pretty close that one time. And that was it. That's about it? Yep. Exactly. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. I I was thinking about that, and then Nash got fired. It was just, I didn't see it going quite this horribly wrong. Right. It makes you wonder, though, if, because they won last night. They beat the Pacers last night. Now, did they convincingly beat a bad Pacers team? No. Did they lose to the Pacers on Saturday previously or Friday? Yes. But um, it makes you wonder if that was always the plan, if it was just if something happened in the locker room that we haven't heard about, because regardless of if it was inevitable, firing him right after a win is a little little odd, um, regardless of what the nature of the win might have been. But anyways... Yes, the Nets are a dumpster fire, and right, it's impressive how the net, you know the Nets have basically completely, completely destroyed their future multiple times yep. to build a super team, and neither time has it even kind of worked. Right. Um, that's that's simply unfortunate for Nets fans, but predictable in this particular case. Um, College basketball, that's this podcast, though. Maybe Steve uh, Nash, because I was thinking about, maybe Steve Nash ends up in college. That would be an awful lot of fun. That would be fun. I don't necessarily see that happening, but one can dream. One can dream. That would be fun. It would be fun to see him on the college basketball sideline. Talk about a guy that, I, I'm curious how young basketball players nowadays feel about Steve Nash. Mm-hmm. Like, how cool they think Steve Nash is, because yeah. I think Steve Nash is the coolest. Oh, but, <laughs> oh, oh but, they're right. They're, when he was winning MVP, oh yeah, he but was I also But I also understand why he might not exactly be the most popular of former NBA players and certainly not doesn't have the cool factor that someone like you know Penny Hardaway has walking into walking into a gym or walking into a recruit's home but But, NIL nothing for Steve Nash at this point no that's a piece of cake (laughs) yes 100 percent 100 percent um last week we finished up our college basketball power six conference previews um 
We had a preview pod, just the two of us, and an accompanying conversation. All of those podcasts are up on our YouTube channel and our podcast feed, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast. Um, so if you haven't gotten to those yet, um, we highly suggest that you do six different conversations about those six conferences, uh, the Power Five plus the Big East. We're now just like like as of today, as of yesterday, a week away from the college basketball season, and it's time to, to kind of talk national, time to do some final predicting and discussing before we get to the beginning of the regular season. So today and this week is, is all about kind of taking a step back, looking across the country. Um, Thursday's back in, you know, Thursday, Friday pod of the week will be a, will, will be a first team All-America, National Player of the Year, Final Four, One Seeds type of big all-encompassing predictions podcast. But, uh, but today we're doing five bold predictions each. Um, and the idea here being like, of course, you'd like to wholeheartedly believe these bold predictions, but the nature of a bold prediction is that it's at the very least outside of the box. Yep. And as a result, not always something you completely wholeheartedly believe in. Because if you did, you would have, especially like on, if it's something to do with a a conference, like if you really wholeheartedly believed it, you probably would have made that claim and put your, you know, planted your flag in that during the conference preview. So there is some truth to what's going on here in terms of how much we believe in our bold predictions. But I, I don't normally get all the way to like, yeah, that's 100% happening because then in my head, it wouldn't be nearly as bold of a prediction. Right. The idea is it's kind of those things that you can still say, I told you so. Mm-hmm. But that you also have a valid excuse for. Right, exactly. <laughs> that you get kind of a... I've heard other people, when they've done this, sort of describe it as the, you know, the get-out-of-jail-free card or sort of the free pass right. idea that you're not being held to it. Yeah. But you are sort of going out on a limb and saying, this could actually happen. I'm willing to sort of put my name on it. Just don't hold me, you know, entirely accountable because I didn't say it was going to happen. Right. I said it might happen. Exactly. Exactly. So with that... With that freedom in mind, yes. shall we begin, embark on a bold predictions journey? Indeed. What you got first? Half the preseason picks to win high major con- at least half the preseason picks to win high major conferences fail to do so. Okay. Do you have some in mind specifically? The first one that stands out for me is Indiana. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then. After that, it's more of, if you give me the other five, I I can feel decent about the idea that two of them don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have Duke's talent, and as we talked about in the ACC, Virginia, looking much closer to Virginia. Mm-hmm. And there's just part of me that's not going to entirely buy North Carolina until I see them do it for an entire season. Sure. So I could definitely see that one. The Big 12... Okay, if Keontae George doesn't deliver, if Baylor gets banged up again, Kansas is there, TCU might be in that mix. Mm-hmm. I just feel pretty good about Baylor. Mm-hmm. That one is not the one I would necessarily go to. Uh, Villanova still exists in the Big East. I'm all in on Creighton. Again, that's not where I would go first, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to sit here and say Villanova can't win the Big East. Mm-hmm. Pac-12, Jaime Hawkins needs to be healthy. The freshmen need to be good for UCLA. It's not like they have this massive margin of error. Right. And then the SEC, as you pointed out last week, it's not like you just lock Kentucky in. And they're off to a rocky start with injuries. Yeah. I mean, Oscar Chibwe is already you know dealing with stuff in the preseason, and Severe, Severe Wheeler left their preseason, their exhibition game last week um, with a... with some sort of injury. I can't remember off the top of my head what it is, but he left the game and there were people saying that he would basically got carried off the floor because he couldn't put weight on his lower body. So I'm not saying that those guys won't just come back and be healthy and be fine, but at least that's not exactly the start you'd want to have when it comes yeah. to defending a, a preseason right. accolade. And I, I'm certainly higher than them than you are, but I'm also not uber high on Kentucky. I could absolutely see a world in which they finish second or third in the SEC. So it's more of sort of an accumulation of all of my doubts, and I think some I feel pretty good about the fact some of it's going to come true. Mm-hmm. That there aren't 
there aren't any of these that I just feel like are locks. Sure. Some of them I feel more confident about than others. But if you give me the entire rest of the Big Ten outside of Indiana and, you know, the ACC teams, the SEC, the Pac-12 mm-hmm. with a team relying on freshmen in UCLA, I feel pretty good about this one. This is the closest I would have to making this an actual prediction rather than a bold one. Yeah, I think... I feel pretty confident. If, if for no reason other than it it almost always ends up being the case... And but you're right. I mean, it, it's kind of weird because I think there are a lot of situations this year where the the favorite seems to be pretty obvious, but then you can pick it apart in a couple different ways, right? Um, whether that has something to do with internally or has something to do with an external team putting pressure on, like you said, UCLA's freshmen are going to have to be good. Indiana can't shoot can't can't hit the broadside of a barn so like that's a really big chance to take on a big 10 conference champion um and then like you said with baylor i mean keontae george is supposed to be that dude and a lot of people including me think he will be Mm -hmm. that dude but um the the margin becomes much much smaller between them kansas and texas if if he's not but um but i like that my first one is also conference based Mm. um there will be multiple power six con- of the power six conferences there will be multiple freshmen that win conference part of the year mm. okay so Keontae george on the list that on the list that comes to mind first um Keontae george the pack 12 right amari <laughs> bailey um you know we could there there are a couple of yeah. guys there but amari bailey specifically um i think there's a world in which he is you know we we have questions about Jaime Hawkins kind of being that dude on the offensive end and kind of being the go-to scorer. Maybe Amari Bailey becomes that guy. Um, so in the Pac-12, right? And this is kind of what what freshmen are in situations where their team might end up being the best team right. and, and mm-hmm. they are going to be one of the more important players on the team. So Pac-12 and Amari Bailey specifically, um, Keontae George at Baylor specifically, um, Nick Smith Jr. at Arkansas sure. specifically, um, and then Kaysen Wallace as well. Um, especially if Severe Wheeler is yep. not healthy and Kentucky still goes on. Now, Oscar Shibway is, of course, right. This is why this is the bold <laughs> prediction, because if Kentucky wins the SEC, Oscar Shibway is probably going to be spectacular yeah. and will probably win the award. But especially if Arkansas ends up winning the conference, I think that's a very real possibility there. Um, and if it's not Nick Smith, it might be one of the other freshmen. Right, exactly. You've got those options, too. Um Cam Whitmore at Villanova. Um, You can't tell me that one of the Duke guys doesn't have at least a shot to win. Um, And, of course, Dariq Whitehead being hurt makes that much less likely of a long right. Of course, this is why these are all bold predictions. The the understanding here is that, yeah, but but what about this dude? We, We know. We know that. Right, there's Armando Baycott, there's Trace Jackson Davis in the Big Ten. Oh, Sky Clark at mm. Illinois. Um, shouts to Kyle Boone, by the way. I was looking through CBS Sports' um, preseason conference predictions. Kyle Boone had Indiana finishing fourth. I'm all here for that. <laughs> all here for that. That's a little excessive, I think, but I'm all here for it. Um, but I think that we might get to a point where teams you know, vying for conference championships in the regular season – a lot of them will have really, really important and highly touted freshmen on their on their rosters and that are making a really big impact. So, you know, that group of in the group specifically between Amari Bailey, Keontae George, Nick Smith Jr., Kaysen Wallace, uh, Sky Clark, and those Duke guys um, wouldn't be stunned if there are multiple conference cha- uh, conference player of the years that are that are in, in the 2022 class. Very similar thought process to mine. Exactly. Exactly. Kind of <laughs> just, just a different all way. all together and some of it's going to work. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Even though, right, if you, on the other side, like, I think conference player might be, like, there. it might be more of a foregone conclusion than it's been in a long time when you go through it, right? I think Hawkes is in the in the Pac-12. Um, Sheboy, Jackson Sheboy, Davis. Jackson Davis. Um, I guess the Big 12 is kind of, up in the air yeah. um that one that doesn't have a 
a clear front runner. But I mean, like, maybe it's Mike Miles. Right, but Mike Miles might just be the dude to such an extent at TCU that yeah. he just has the, the stats that are undeniable. Right. But Baylor will have something to say about that. Kansas will have something to right. say about that. In the Big East, it's a little bit up in the air, but a freshman is not like the first guy you talk about. Yeah. Right, You're talking about your UConn players, um, Baylor Shireman, Ryan Kalkbrenner, so on and so forth. Um, and then, of course, you have all the, the UNC guys at uh, in the ACC, but I think those freshmen will at least be in the conversation in a lot of those conferences. All right. Number two. I did this. I can't remember if it was... No, I must have been... I think it was two seasons. In the past, I had done this one time, so I'm going to do it again. Same conference, different team. Auburn is nothing more than borderline top 25. Auburn? Auburn. Okay. 15th in the AP preseason poll. Are they really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe they get ranked sometimes. I, I did this with Arkansas, and it worked out well. And I don't remember what season it was. <laughs> but it, might, it, it was just, right this idea of there was a lot of hype surrounding that team, and they were 18th or something. Sure. And then they just kind of stayed in the 30 range. That's Auburn for me this year. That front court, you don't just replace it. And you also don't have guys who have played at this level who are the ones tasked with replacing that. Mm-hmm. And also, you're in the SEC. <laughs> Your schedule is incredibly difficult. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're going to go win, you know, 14, 15 conference games. That was what last year's team could do with Jabari Smith. Mm-hmm. I just don't I don't see that happening. I don't really have too much to say other than it's just... I thought I, I kind of categorized this as bold because people are telling you they're the 15th best team in the country, and I'm mm. saying they're more like 35. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I mean, you, you I have well, I'm well documented about my reservations about the Auburn backcourt, especially when there's nobody on that team. That's really, especially except maybe Johnny Broom, who is, who is competing with that backcourt to be considering themselves the most important players on the floor. And there were two guys. They had the best front court in the yep. country, and still that backcourt decided they were the most important players on the floor. Sometimes, um, I'm all in. I'm all in. I mean, I mean, if you would have, I would have been, I, I would have been like, yeah, go all the way to like 45, and then we're talking <laughs> bold prediction. But um, maybe, maybe those guys did some growing up over the offseason. We'll see. Um, I also just. Uh, the other part of it for me is Bruce Pearl is still there, so I'm not just going to completely dismiss sure. a Bruce Pearl coach team. Sure. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Um, number two on my list is the Big Ten will not have a team finish in the top 15 at Kempom. I thought about going some kind of direction like this. Oh, I tried. That's right. I have something similar I'll go to next. Okay. Yeah. Um, this, is where, this is where they start. So Illinois is outside the top 30 at Kempom. Yeah, and I that's, got major questions. And that's the team. And that's the team that I think is going to win the Big Ten. So the idea of them winning the Big Ten but finishing like 18th is not completely ludicrous, especially. Mm-hmm. So this is where teams start. Indiana starts 12th. Iowa, Purdue, and Michigan are all top 26. Um, I think we'll end up in a similar place to where we finished in 27. Did you know that the highest ranked Kempom team in 2017 from the Big Ten was 18th? Really? Yeah, Purdue won the big won the Big Ten. Oh, that was that year. the Carson Edwards team? No, that was the Caleb Swanigan team. Oh, okay. Um, Purdue was a number four seed. That was the highest seed that the Big Ten had in the NCAA tournament. They went twenty seven and eight and fourteen and four in conference. Fourteen and six, I think, is a very real benchmark for the for the team that wins the Big Ten this yep. year. Um, I just think it's going to be similar to that. I think what you know, like I said, Purdue finished twenty-seven and eight. I think that's a reasonable and and I don't have any faith in Indiana. I've made that very clear. And Illinois, coming from where they're coming from at Kempom, right? This is Kempom in particular. Um, I think we'll get to the point where there will be fifteen teams at least ahead of them, ahead of the highest ranked Big Ten team at Kempom. There you go. Especially when you're starting that way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm with you on the, the logical path there. Thank you. What's next for you? I'll follow that one up. Illinois is the only Big Ten team that has a top four seed. Ooh, I like that too. Same vein for sure. Yes. I don't want to 
go back over conference predictions, so I didn't want to say Illinois wins the Big Ten by multiple games, though mm-hmm. that can count as part of this too because I'll stick with that. Okay. The other part of this for me when you're talking about seeds is not only everything you just laid out about the fact that, well, it's not exactly clear you have a top 10 team here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the other part is you also have to account for Gonzaga, Houston, potentially San Diego State, and potentially Dayton when you're talking top four seeds. Mm-hmm. Not that all four of those teams are going to get one, but you feel pretty confident at least Gonzaga and Houston are. Mm-hmm. And San Diego State is already hovering around that spot. Mm-hmm. They don't have to do too much to end up as a three or four seed other than live up to the, the you know, rightfully so, the big expectations they have, right? Mm-hmm. So that's if and if Dayton overachieves a little bit as they're, you know, borderline top 25 to start the season, then all of a sudden that is a seed line that is gone right. for the high major conferences. Right. So even if you don't get four of those, you're still talking about at least two teams from the Big 12, at least one from the Pac-12, two or three from the ACC probably. You would think at least one from the Big East, you know, and then accounting for whatever other surprises. Right. I, I find it hard to believe the Big Ten is going to... It, it's just too good of a conference. There are too many good teams for nobody to get a top four seed. Mm-hmm. But I am very much envisioning a world where there's Illinois, who is maybe great but not elite, and then there's a drop-off. Mm. And that drop-off is where you're going to see a bunch of five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten seeds from the Big Ten. And... A bunch of teams lose in the first couple rounds of the tournament and probably one do something bizarre because finally the Big Ten doesn't have all right. the expectations. Right. But exactly. I, I just, from a conference schedule, you know, strength standpoint, from a team standpoint, from a rest of the country standpoint, I just don't see two of those top 16 spots for Big Ten teams. I think I agree with that. Actually, this is a bold prediction podcast. I think you're silly. <laughs> I think you're so silly. I'm going. For that. I'm getting increasingly bolder as we go here. I have three. I'm excited. Well, I have one completely. I, I'll go to that one next as my as my fifth one. But then I have my. I have one that I'm very excited about sharing. Um, okay, I've done two. Have you done two? Or have you done three? That was three. That was three. Okay. Um, I'll go to my my niche mid major bold prediction. Excellent. Um, the conference USA will be a multi bid league for the first time since 2012. UAB in North Texas is who I'm circling. UAB, right there, yep. Um, Jelly Walker, Eric Gaines from LSU. What a name, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, Jordan Walker is his actual name, but I'm much more interested in no, calling him Jelly. He's Jelly. Um, uh, a couple ETSU transfers, very complete roster. I mean, it, co- high, college basketball production, one through eight or nine. Um, and the, the depth there is is pretty impressive. That's the team that – what I'm picturing here is – both UAB and North Texas win a lot of games like they did last year. And I expect UAB to be a team that's just firmly in the at-large conversation. Absolutely. And then North Texas wins the tournament, and then it's not really a conversation. There are just two Conference USA teams in the tournament. But um, to continue, right, UAB, like I said, um, they're going to win a lot of games. They're super complete, super deep. Uh, and then North Texas, Tyler Perry is a bucket it's an, it's a different North Texas team from last year that had a really good defense, um, but they bring some other guys in via transfer, and they went twenty five and seven last year, and I think we're that that's a reasonable ballpark for them to be in last year. Sixteen and two in conference USA, and then of course didn't win um, didn't win the tournament. It was UAB who won the the conference tournament last year. Um, but shooting replenished in the transfer portal, they're just a conference USA powerhouse at this point. Um, it's been since 2012 since they last got two teams in. I think both of those teams, by the time we get to March, will be in a spot where, regardless of who wins the conference tournament, that both of those teams, even if it's on the bubble, they'll both they'll have won so many games that they'll have to have that the committee will have to have real conversations about mm-hmm. giving an at-large bid to whoever it is that doesn't win that conference tournament and. Um, if they meet in the conference tournament championship game and one of them wins, one of them loses, um, I just think they're both going to have the resume to to get in at an at-large bid. And then there's the, also the other possibility that makes that prediction come true, which is kind of like you mentioned. 
even if it doesn't turn out that way, as long as one of them has an NCAA tournament resume and that team doesn't win the conference tournament, right. it could be Team 10 from the Conference from right. USA that meets the second one. It still right. fits your prediction. Right. Western Kentucky is going to be good yeah. this year as well. It's um, just a good conference, the, especially the, at the top. Those top three teams, yeah. there's some depth in, in the Conference USA this year and those three teams at the top in particular. Western No disrespect to Western Kentucky. Those are just the two teams, if you asked me to pick, to back up with two actual teams that I think we'll get in. It's those two. I like that one. Thank you. What's next for you? This is this is perhaps my boldest, but I wanted to save my other one for last. Okay. Jamie Dixon, Coach of the Year. Jamie Dixon, Coach of the Year. That's a good one. What's what? So, so in theory, there's some there's some accomplishments that come with that in terms of what TCU does on the floor. If I were to ask yes. you to quantify what TCU does on the floor, what will it take for Jamie Dixon to win? Well, Big 12 player. Big, no, sorry, coach of the year. Well, here's the thing. Did you know he's done it before? He's won coach of the year? He has. He has won the Naismith National Coach of the Year award before. At Pitt? Yes. Okay. And he did it without winning the Big East. Did he really? Yes. Now, they won a stupid amount of games. They lost, I think, two conference games and somebody lost one or something. Okay, gotcha. They were ridiculously good. It was one of the, It was in that stretch where they were going, you know, 35 and 4 uh-huh. kind of things. It was 2008-2009. He did it once. He can do it again. So, who else is on? Go ahead, and then we'll talk about who else is on the list of potential candidates. Just in a world where, you know, Baylor and Kansas are fine, but not world beaters, Mm -hmm. and you know, nobody's really standing out in the Big Ten. Nobody's really standing out in the Pac-12. I mean, are you gonna? Give it to Hubert Davis for taking the preseason number one team and winning the ACC. I now, mean, Hubert Davis got plenty of accolades last season. I, I think he got at least one Coach of the Year award for what he did the second half of that season. Mm-hmm. Of course, he's going to be in the conversation if they deliver because, well, they're the best team in the country. Mm-hmm. But it's not like you necessarily have to... You have to be really good, but you don't have to be elite necessarily if you sort of overachieve. Mm-hmm. My biggest hesitation with this, honestly, is not necessarily the other coaches. It's the fact that people actually really think TCU are going to be good. Right. That finishing in the top 25 is by no means going to cut it. Mm-hmm. But in a world where they're a top 10 team in the country, they are in the Big 12 title race the entire season. I mean, are you going to give it to Mark Few for winning a bazillion? Now, Mark Few's also won this award, if I remember correctly. Are you going to give it to... Oh, I think he won it when they won undefeated. I believe so. I think that's when it was. Are, are you, if they win, lose two games, are you going to give it to Mark Few for you know running the table in the WCC? Maybe not. There, just, there's, there seems to be a balance because because it will take somebody not because if a team just wins a unusual amount of games, that that coach is usually is is going to get like. If Gonzaga goes undefeated, like Mark Few's going to win it again, right, right? Right. So, but I think you're right that that TCU's in a in a spot where I don't think people are too high on TCU that there's that they're not hitting their head on the glass ceiling, if that mm-hmm. makes sense, right? Um, that it won't take an unusual thing to happen for TCU relative to you know the history of college basketball to be as grandiose as possible. Um, for him to be in a situation where they're in the spotlight, where they're playing big games down the stretch, where Mike Miles is a Big 12 Player of the Year, first-team All-America candidate, and there's all of a sudden a lot of a lot of press, so to speak, for for the Horned Frogs. And it's also... What a great uh, mascot, by the way. The other part of this is not necessarily a Lifetime Achievement Award kind of thing, but the, the idea of... Not only did you deliver on expectations, but you built those expectations at TCU. Mm-hmm. That's got to be part of this, too. Sure. The problem is he can't do what Ed Cooley did last season because they're not starting from that point. Right. They're starting from a higher level, which means they need to be much better than Providence ended up being last season. Mm-hmm. And Providence was very good. I think there's absolutely a world in which they're a top three seed in the, the NCAA tournament mm-hmm. as the second or third best team in the pack in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. I don't feel great about this one. This is very much on the Boulder side. Yeah. But if you're looking for something different, a sort of a team to encapsulate this season, and a coach who has done this before without winning a conference, TCU, Jamie Dixon. I like that. 
Who are the other dark horse candidates? I mean, it's got, you got to throw Mike Woodson in there if it, if right. it works. I think Mike Woodson is on the list. And, and specifically, right, Mike, I think Mike Woodson, when talking dark horses, you kind of you can gravitate to new coaches like, you know, your Todd Goldens, your yep. Sean Millers of yep. the world. Um, throw Thad Mata in there if you want to. Greg McDermott's got to be up there. Greg Creighton McDermott. is clearly the best team in the Big East. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I'm going to go and look and see who has recently won head coach of the years in college basketball. I also think Scott Drew has a really, really good chance if Baylor turns out to be really good, as in clearly the best team in the Big 12, as in might be the best team in the country mm-hmm. good. Okay, here we go for men. So the last, the last few years have been Ed Cooley, Mark Few... Anthony Grant at Dayton for yeah, that Obi Toppin year. Mm-hmm. Rick Barnes, and that was the Grant Williams um, Admiral Schofield year. Tony Bennett, Mark Few again. Jay Wright, John Calipari, Greg Marshall. Um, right, so it's a combination of right. There's definitely something to be said, and I think that's just a that's a tough award to win as a guy who isn't at the top of that list. Like I feel like that's a list that. If you start up there at the top and you do what you're supposed to, there's a a pretty good chance you're going to win. Unless somebody overachieves dramatically. Right. Right. Unless you have Providence from last season where you go, look at the expectations, look at where they were. It's mm-hmm. just got to be at Cooley. Right. Yeah. So maybe the argument, right, is TCU almost starts too high. Like if right. they were. That's my fear. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and there might just not be enough unless they do something truly remarkable. To, to actually get him over the hump, but I'm not. I'm certainly not against the idea, and I think TCU might is going to be no bueno for anybody else in that in that conference <laughs> this year. Okay, I've got you've got one more. Yes. yes? Okay, I've got two more. Um, the first one I'll go to is three of the elite eight teams will come from the state of Texas. Okay. So I was trying to do some calculations so, just to help old that was in my head. So Baylor, Texas, Houston, TCU, and Texas Tech are kind of the the five yeah. that I throw on the list there. Um, and maybe North Texas. And maybe, shouts to the Mean Green <laughs> Fighting Machine. Yes, sir. Um, but, I mean, those three teams, I mean, Texas just beat Arkansas by 30 in an exhibition. Yes, it's an exhibition. Yes, whatever. But also, totally here for good basketball teams playing each other in exhibition. Um, but 90 to 60, that's, that's startling. Um, but we just talked about TCU, Houston, if nothing else has shown their ability to, yeah, it just elite eight Houston is nothing. It's not bold, right? Yeah. Exactly. Um. So so if if I were to tell you that Baylor, Texas, and Houston, like in a vacuum, that one of those three teams was gonna that, like I think they can make the elite eight. I think they can make the elite eight. I think they can make the elite eight. I'm not sure that's all that bold, but and and i i almost went all the way to like i think there's a really good chance that they're that half of the final four is from texas that one of that two of those four teams will make it and i think we'll get three three of the eight teams standing in the elite eight will will reign from the state of texas because you don't mess with texas the the issue you're going to potentially run into there is just if they play each other too early yeah right if you get the if you get the wrong Bracket matchups. Yeah, this that is could, true. That could derail it. <laughs> Aside then, from the fact that those teams actually have to make the Elite Eight. Yeah. Right. It's it's in that sort of sweet spot. I think you and I were approaching this very similarly. Where two, absolutely. Yeah. Baylor, Houston, one hundred percent. I don't think either of us have categorized that at both. So you mm-hmm. throw the next one on there mm-hmm. because, well, it's still predicting Elite Eight teams mm-hmm. and three of them. And now you're getting into a little bit more of a, well, you know, we have some questions about Texas. Texas Tech hasn't really been, I mean, certainly capable of getting to elite eights, but it's not like they've been, you know, consistently driving at Final Fours. Right. And a very new roster. And who's the, oh, and TCU, Mm -hmm. still trying to win conference, still trying to win NCAA tournament games. Right. But there, there are steps to this. Right. All of a sudden, you're going from, okay, you've made a little bit of some, had a really good season last year, took Arizona to the brink, to national title contender. Massive jump. Mm-hmm. So, it's, it's right there in that sort of, can definitely see it happening, but also that's a lot of things that have to go right. Right, exactly, exactly.
Okay, what's your last one? I mentioned this a little bit before, but I'm going to double down on it now. Okay. There are two teams we're talking about heading into the NCAA tournament that are clearly better than everybody else. And Their names are? are Baylor and Gonzaga. Not North Carolina. Not North Carolina. I'm so here for this. I'm so here for this. You, you have no idea how here, how here I am for this. <laughs> I feel like these teams are just kind of there. Nobody's really talking about them. I mean, of course, they're in the, oh, you know, these teams are going to be really good. But in terms of what we're excited about this yeah. season. I'm so ready to pick Gonzaga to win the national championship. <laughs> I cannot wait right? to pick them. All last season it was, well, you know, can, can Gonzaga do it? Chet's here. And the yeah. year before that was, is Gonzaga going to go undefeated? Yep. And now it's just, no, oh, Drew Timmy's there. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. Glad we got him back again. <laughs> number two team in the AP poll, but number two seems to be really talking right. about. We're talking him. about Kentucky. We're talking about Arkansas. We're Houston. talking about Houston. We're talking about North Carolina. We're talking about Duke. And then Baylor also, I mean, yes, they're in that conversation. It's not like people are dismissing them. I just don't think people fully appreciate how good this team can be if it goes right. So we're repeating the COVID year heading into the turn. Yes. So, so we'll have those two teams, and then there'll be a bunch of people in, me, in the college basketball media over here on the on the side trying to convince us that there's a different team that actually has a chance. Right. I, if Scott Drew gets Ricochet the, shot at the Fighting Illini at that year, but that was a lot of I'm trying super hard to be yeah. different over here in the corner. I will continue. When Baylor gets the pieces, Scott Drew just knows what to do with them. Mm-hmm. They were banged up last year and still one of the best teams in the country. Yeah. And now they have Keontae George. And they didn't lose all that much from last season. Mm-hmm. It's not like they're replacing, you know, three national championship winning guards like mm-hmm. they did last year. And, oh, by the way, we're just fine and looked like they might be the best team in the country for a while. Mm-hmm. This team should be much better than last season's team. If, Espe- they, stay, if es- they stay healthy. Right, especially if John o- Jonathan Chamachacho right. comes back and we talked about that in the, in the preview. Yeah. There but- are some questions. They don't have that guy to guard every single position that makes that defense work. It's no guarantee they're just going to dominate everybody, but they've kind of been doing it regardless of the circumstances, and now there's an incredible amount of talent on that roster, an incredible amount coming back. And then Gonzaga, yeah, you know, we just kind of got fascinated with Chet, and it's just, at this point, it's almost boring, right? Mm -hmm. It's, well, can Gonzaga win a national championship? Mark Few can't get it done when it matters. Mm -hmm. And so people don't like talking about them, but, well, they have a lot of returning pieces, too. Mm-hmm. Yes, and a very do. important high-profile transfer. Yes, they do. Yeah, and it's been literally three years, almost, since a healthy Baylor team was not dominating college basketball. Because they were the best team in the country until they, you know, until injuries kind of derailed. Because yep. at one point it was like, oh my god, Baylor is undefeated again, the number one team in the country. Stifled and, Villanova. Right. Right, exactly. Yep. I I have a hard... I'm not betting against Scott Drew. Nope. Um, I think, right, the the boldest part about that is we're only talking about these two teams, right? <laughs> yeah. And two of those teams are not two of the three t- top three teams in the AP poll, and we're not talking about Kansas. Or, so, right, that's where the bold goes. Um, we need to stop for 17 seconds to talk about what ESPN just reported. Did I you get I, it, too? I think I saw it. So... So the Nets are planning to hire Ime Udoku. Udoka, excuse me, Udoku, that's not his name. Udoka to replace Steve Nash. I didn't think that the Celtics were that done with him. Apparently they are. Um Yeah, cuz it's not, it, I mean, he's still their their coach, right? Right. Technically. Right. <laughs> but he's allowed to leave and go coach somewhere else. Boston has said that Okay, okay. That he can leave to go coach somewhere else. That is wild. Just, I'm telling you. And it's just such a circus. I love it. Can we put them all behind a glass, (laughs) behind a glass case and like watch them like it's the aquarium? Anytime you think this can't possibly get more bizarre and more of a train wreck, something else happens. And it's gotten, it's happened three different times in the past seven days. That is wild. (laughs) Truly, genuinely, unbelievable. How about that? I mean, you just got to lean into the skin now, at this point, now, I guess. Now talk about a bold prediction that someone before the season said, you know what, on November 1st. <laughs> Ime Udoka. Or, or, or even if we you, if we go back to August 1st before the Ime stuff happened. Sure. That <laughs> right. in, in three months' time, Ime Udoka will be suspended for the season for an inappropriate workplace relationship 
um, the Nets will start two and five, and then on the back end of a win, fire Steve Nash on November first, and then just minutes after that, an hour after that. Oh, by the by, the Nets are going to hire Ime Odoka, the same guy who has been suspended for workplace relationships and misconduct, to coach their already train wreck of a basketball team. That's my bold prediction. And I also think that in this college basketball season, that Duke and Virginia are just going to make a trade, Tony Bennett for John Shire. I think that's going to happen. Yeah. It'll, what, be, it'll what, just be Tony Bennett just, and Durham. Just straight up? It'll just be no. Tony Bennett and Durham. Yeah, they're making a trade, straight up. No, nothing else thrown in there? No, 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 no. Recruit to be named waiter, NRL <laughs> money. Right, no, no. And, and cash. <laughs> it's my favorite thing ever. Uh, that cash, cash and a player to be named waiter. <laughs> that, you know, I'm, I swear, I'm still waiting on, I'm still waiting to hear who the Red Sox are going to get for the Dodgers for Mookie Betts. I'm still waiting. Right. But it's, Sorry, really buddy. We, we chose you. You're going to go play for Duke. Yeah. But I committed to Virginia. Yes, I understand. Yes. We had a transaction that got made. You got to follow through. Oh, man. Actually, the presidents just agreed to change brands. So, like, Duke is just now in Charlottesville and Virginia is now in not Virginia. Yeah, that they would take be, you over each other's that campuses. Would be bold. That would be bold, yes. So, Tony Bennett is coaching. See if I can get this right. Coaching for. Coaching Virginia at Cameron. Yes. Or do the coaches switch too? So John Shire is coaching Virginia and Cameron. Ooh. No, I like Tony coaching okay. in, Dur- in, in okay. Cameron more. All right. Okay. Now that we cleared that up. Okay. Um, so you're out, right? You're out of bold yes, predictions. Yes, those are my five. Um, my last bold prediction is that there will be two guards on first team All-America, and both of them will be from the AAC. Oh. Marcus I, I know. Sasser, I know where you're Marcus going. Marcus Sasser, okay. Houston, and Kendrick Davis yep. of Memphis. I think those two guys will be so far and away the best guards in the country. I think Kendrick. I mean, Kendrick Davis twenty point twenty four and four last year. We know Marcus. I mean, Marcus Sasser is going to be the best player on a team that is going to be in the top five. He's going to have season. to do something to not finish right. as a, at least a second teamer, but right. probably a first teamer. Yeah. Right. But I have decided that, and I also think. And and part of this bold prediction is that I think Kenny Penny Hardaway stumbled into a roster that's gonna kind of alleviate some of his shortcomings as a head coach. Memphis has three fifth year seniors in their starting lineup. They, they have old. two more coming off the bench. And then they have six more seniors or redshirt seniors. That's eleven guys that combined have like a hundred years of college basketball experience. Not quite that much, but like 50 right um i don't think i think penny hardaway getting to coach guys who already know how to play college basketball is gonna make memphis this season really intriguing i think you know we'll see if they have some of those wins where it's like oh my gosh like they just that that what they just beat alabama that's but then they went lost to tulane like what i don't think maybe maybe memphis isn't doing those things where it's like man they look more talented than that team that we thought was really really talented um i think they'll be just as competitive in those games just because of how experienced they're going to be and they'll have the best player on the floor and they're not going to lose i don't think they're going to lose games that they shouldn't lose in the aac this year at least not in the same way that they have in the last couple of years um so part of this is a is a um realization of the roster that penny hardaway has Led by a guy that I think is one of the five best players in the country this year. Um, you'll have your, you know, some collection of those bigs will be on the first team. Um, I would be surprised if um, if the other three guys aren't aren't those three, the, aren't those you know four or five bigs in some combination. You know, Drew Timmy, Armando Baycott, Trace Jackson Davis, um, Hunter Dickinson, Edie. Edie, throw Adam Snoga in there. Like, they're going to be three really big dudes on, but I think... Oh, I forgot about Shibway. All right, I knew there was I was like, who... That doesn't seem like enough people. Yes, Oscar Shibway. Um, But I think think we'll end up with two guards, and I think they're both coming from the AAC. I love this idea of just two guards and three giants. Yeah, let's do it. That's it. You're just pointing a two-three zone because you're not trying to switch anything. And I also, (laughs) like... I also think there's a little bit of like, like Kendrick Davis won AAC Player of the Year last year. Yep, he's coming back. 
he's going to be on a team that was better than the team that he was on last year. And you can't find anybody who says Kendrick Davis is going to win AAC Player of the Year. Right? Yeah. Now, I mean, Marcus least, Sasser didn't exactly get to put his name into the conversation now, now, last season. Yes, and that's yeah. right. That's the next thing you have to say. But the guy who averaged 20 points right. and won the AAC Player of the Year last just year an is, is, not, is not Marcus Sasser. Right. And Sasser was average. I mean, and, and Davis ended up averaging more points per game across an entire season than Marcus Sasser was averaging through 12 games. And so he put together the body of work. I mean, Marcus Sasser is going to have to be spectacular to win conference player of the year. I think he'll win conference player of the year. I think he'll be spectacular, but it won't be because Kendrick Davis isn't spectacular. I think they're both going to be really, really good. Of course, Houston, I think is a national title contender and I won't be stunned if Memphis is a mainstay in the top 25 and Kendrick Davis is, is a massive, massive reason why. And they both end up first team All-American. I'm with you that we're going to end up with two guards. Or at least two non-bigs. I almost I thought about doing something similar. I was going to go in the direction of just saying two guards and throwing Mike Miles in there. Because I okay. would continue to go to bat for this. Yeah, But I like yours It's a fun cause... conversation. Who else, who else ends up on... Yeah. Like, if it's not... Right, because the, the AP preseason team... Is Sasser and then Baycott the and then Baycott, Sheboy, Timmy, and Trish Jackson Davis, correct? I believe um, so. So it's fun to think about okay, if it's not one of those guys, who's the who's right. one of those guys that slides into the equation? Yeah. So I, I like that part of it. I'm with you. And then the second thing, I also am right there with you. People are not paying enough attention to the dramatic roster change at Memphis. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I don't. It's kind of strange because Penny Hardaway comes from high school. Mm-hmm. Part of me just doesn't think he likes dealing with the the players that he's supposed to be attracting because of who mm-hmm. he is. Sure, right? You're Imani Bates of the world. Mm-hmm. I feel like he is really. Ex- and maybe I'm just way off on this, and you know him much better than I do. I feel like he's just really excited about being able to, whether you think he's a good coach or not, the opportunity to just coach basketball, mm-hmm. right? And not have to deal with so many of the sort of the mental the mental side of the game, the intangibles, all that stuff. Because like you said, these are these are a bunch of fourth and fifth year guys. Mm-hmm. They're not relying on any freshman. He just gets to go help Kendrick Davis be a better point guard. Right. You don't need to teach Kendrick Davis anything. No. Kendrick Davis knows what he's doing. Yeah. It's a very fascinating... It, it's going to give you a completely different side to Penny Hardaway and a different way to evaluate him. Mm-hmm. Because I, I'm just not... I, I, maybe I'm way off on that. But I, I feel like last season he just got really tired of all of the shenanigans. Yeah. And not being able to sort of keep the focus on the floor. And maybe this roster is a direct result of that. I don't know. I've heard more ludicrous takes, that's for sure. Yeah, I think, I mean, it is undeniable that it's completely different. And he's talked about, right, the team that he had that was really old his first year. Respectable team that didn't end up making the tournament, I don't think. But, or was that, was his first year the COVID year? Was there no tournament that year? Or was it, no, I think it was the year prior was his first year. I don't know. I don't remember. I'm sorry. The point being is that there was a year of Penny that was similar to this. And... That team, while not spectacular because the talent just wasn't there because it was a Tubby Smith recruited team, um, certainly the focus was on the floor that year and not and in a way that it hasn't been the last several years. And last year was the closest it's been to it just being about what's on the floor. And Imani Bates was there. Right, and Imani Bates was there. Yeah, exactly. Because it, it's been, you know, well, I'm what, two full seasons this with Wiseman too mm-hmm. of something high-profile recruit, and not just high-profile recruit in terms of hype, high-profile recruit with extracurricular stuff. Right. Not necessarily their fault. You know, you had the NCAA stuff with James Wiseman and then James Wiseman ultimately. I think you had the the injury with Imani Bates. Mm -hmm. But it's not like you were just talking about this player on the floor. There were other, right, it was, is Imani Bates coming back? What's Imani Bates, you know, he reclassifies super late. Mm -hmm. What's he doing for you to all of this stuff? And now it's just a bunch of guys trying to have a really good final season of college basketball. Yeah. It's 
it's a very, very different kind of proposition. And I do think people are sleeping on Memphis because of it. If, if Penny can coach at this level, that team is going to be good. Mm. Otherwise, you got to ask some real questions because he tried to do it completely differently. He's got the talent. He's got the experience. He has everything you want as a college basketball coach to be successful. Can I get it done? But I like that. Thank you. I like that too. That would that would that became my that became my. I was trying to do something with the first team All America, all mm-hmm. these bigs kind of thing, and that's where I landed. Um, there you go. That's ten bold predictions for the twenty twenty two twenty three college basketball season. And if we're wrong, you can't hold it to us that's because right. they were bold predictions. That was that's how we branded it. Okay, you see it right above my head, right there. Bold predictions. Um, so you can't hold us to any of them. But if we are right, we were right all along and we know what you're talking about. It comes with the territory. It just does. Um, You're allowed to give us crap for anything we said in the conference previews because in theory that was, you know, we were rooting that in in logic. And so I'm I'm, I'm more than ready to be clowned for what I said about Kentucky. I'm more than ready. But um, what I've said today, you can't say anything. No no apology letters for No, Absolutely no apology letters. Um, that's a good podcast idea. Like halfway through the season, apology letters to anybody yeah, was, we snubbed. Into. I was going to say, we and we need to do a better job after this season of looking back at our predictions and right. reflecting on them. Mm-hmm. We haven't done a, a tremendous job of that the past couple seasons, but that's something I would like to do right after the NCAA. Once we do our NCAA you know, Final Four National Championship game recaps, yeah. when there's nothing to talk about because the season just ended, yeah. I think we should take a podcast and go back and... Look at what we got right and what we got wrong. I'll do a better job of saving my podcast notes because I'm horrible at saving my podcast notes. Um, all right. That's all we got for you today. Please subscribe to the Jays for Days podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Jays for Days Pod. YouTube. And on YouTube. You can see it down there. Uh, subscribe on YouTube uh, at Jays for Days Pod there as well. Just type Jays for Days Podcast into the search bar and you should find us there. Uh, like I said, to begin the podcast, conference previews and conversations all of those up on the on the youtube as well subscribe like all of those things that the youtube algorithm likes we appreciate that and um and we'll be back at the end of this week to talk to talk the predictions national champions national player of the years first team all america is supposed to have shed some light on that at this point but um but we'll uh, we'll really break all of those things down on uh, at the end of this week Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh, he's Josh, and we will see you later.